Hello and welcome. I'm Christina Irvin, leader of Team Clarity. If you had told me I would be setting more healthy boundaries with my closest loved ones, not doing something out of guilt, and comfortable asking for the sale or setting prices equal to my worth in my business after such a short time in this course, I certainly would have told you no way. However, I'm doing all of those things and much, much more unapologetically these days. While you're grabbing a pen and piece of paper, consider this. Just how many people are actually paid to learn? Yes, you heard me correctly. I'm both a student and a teacher of Pay Me What I'm Worth. And by the time I'm done with this course, I will have earned more than what I invested in this life-changing journey. You can always listen to our prior shows at bit.ly forward slash pay radio. And to get one reminder of our next show, click on the follow button at the top of the page. Now, it's time to dive in and let's get to work. Let's meet the rest of the team. Hi, this is Marcia Sertino and I'm in Boston, Massachusetts. Hello, this is Chelsea Wells from the mountains of Tennessee. Have a blessed day. And now, time for class. I wonder what relationship is there between your physical, emotional, and spiritual vibration and ethics and integrity? Hmm. Jane Adams. Action, indeed, is the sole medium of expression for ethics. Action, indeed, is the sole medium of expression for ethics. What's Jane trying to tell us? Your actions express how you live your life ethically with integrity. Mm-hmm. What else? There's an old saying out there, talk is cheap. Right? What do people judge us more by? What we say or what we do? What we do. What we do. Buddha recognizes that when he shares neither fire nor wind, birth nor death can erase our good deeds. Our legacy. Chapter 9 is about Becoming more conscious of what type of legacy are you creating for yourself? The old Scrooge parable. What was Marley trying to get Scrooge to recognize upon his first visit to his sleeping chamber? To me, it was how his actions had created his reality then. Mm-hmm. In that tale, our life was being characterized as the, the least compassionate we are, the more chains we create that will bind our souls to an eternity of hell, right? Right. Mm-hmm. What are chains are you wearing these days? What type of hell are you living in these days? That is very thought-provoking. I'm a very visual person, so what I'm seeing right now is myself standing and looking for those chains. When I find those chains, the words are written on them as to what they are. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of avoidance, I guess would be the word. Going back to early classes, discussions of composting, and there's only so much 
packing in of the crap you can do. <laughs> I'm envisioning a backed up toilet. <laughs> Christina's preparing for a big cosmic flush. All right. <laughs> this town needs an enema. <laughs> homage to Batman (laughs) while this may feel daunting it may feel oppressive there's a flip side to it that this chapter is looking to help you see more clearly what's that flip side those were good descriptions for real think about this When you read this chapter and you started getting into the material in this chapter, and I start asking you to be more conscious of the difference between ethics and morals, what is behind that request, do you think? Consciousness and action. Oh, mm mm-hmm, yep. I think consistency would be a good word to tile that together. Yep, that's like step five and six. I'm looking to get to step one and two first, and let me frame it this way. Let's use the example of today's cars rolling off the assembly line. Today's cars are far, far, far more complex than the cars that rolled off the assembly line, say, even 10 years ago, right? Right. Cars now have internet integrated into it. Cars are mostly electronic. They have more sophisticated moving parts and and programming. And therefore, because it's more complicated, it's more likely you're going to have more issues when it comes to maintenance. True or false? Very true. True. All boiling down to one small little chip. It costs Mm -hmm. ridiculous amounts of money. With something that's more complex, we invite more pressure. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Yeah. During the holidays, think about this. How many different rituals are trotted out during the holidays? And some of those rituals are unbelievably complex. Does that complexity help or hurt the joy factor? Hurt. It hurts, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, all, all you do is dread it. I, I know I do anyway. <laughs> so the more complex, the more sophisticated, even though it appears it looks more pretty, it looks more desiring, society somehow places a premium on complexity, it's actually our source of pain and suffering. Morals are very complex creatures. True? True. True. I'd like to hear stories of an example in your own life where you've seen a moral change in your own lifetime. In the book, I think I talk about smoking. In my own lifetime, I've seen smoking change from that of being a socially accepted practice, no big deal. In fact, women fought for the right to smoke in public at the beginning of the whole process, at least in part of the historical timeline in the American consumption of tobacco. It was scandalous for a woman to be smoking. Then it was even more scandalous to have a woman smoking in public. God forbid, what type of lady are you, right? Right. Mm -hmm. Then it became socially acceptable. No big deal. More women started smoking in public. Now where are we? 
from a morals aspect about smoking in general. Not as desirable. Heck, half the country is now able to smoke the herbals. (laughs) (laughs) Those green cigarettes. Yeah. (laughs) So in our own lifetime, we've seen a moral evolve, haven't we? From a woman's standpoint, what are you conscious of in your own lifetime that has evolved? For example, the whole thing about whether or not you're married or not married and whether or not you produce a child or not. In your own lifetime, what has changed? I can remember being in grade school, and I remember that until the fifth grade, girls could not wear pants to school. They had to wear dresses or skirts. So glad I wasn't coming up in that time. (laughs) (laughs) I can remember thinking, I don't understand the problem with this, that we were not allowed to wear them until I was in fifth grade. And then it was morally acceptable that after you've reached that grade, it was not necessarily liked, but more permissible that you could wear pants. Yes. And it had nothing to do with religion. That was the crazy thing. It was just the moral code at the time. Well, I tell you, like women in general just being able to work outside the home. The only time they were able to work outside the home was during war, and then it was their moral duty to go work in the factories. But as soon as the men came back from war, they had to go back to the kitchen. Now we've and then it moved to you, know, you can work, you understand you're not getting paid equally, and that's okay too. To now we're fighting equal pay. And that's acceptable. The Lord loves me. <laughs> me being born <laughs> when I was born was so much better. <laughs> I don't think I would have been functioning well otherwise. <laughs> I have witnessed a time where women that had children outside of wedlock, oh, that was so taboo. You did not want to talk about it. You definitely did not want to talk about if you were pregnant, even to the point where you were remarried, it was difficult for women to even talk about being remarried. I've seen that transition period where it was, hey, you're only supposed to be married one time. It was a difficult period to even discuss with anybody. If you got remarried, and then on top of that, you had kids with that second partner. I've seen a lot of transition where women were put down for so long for making choices that society did not deem as correct or right. Mm -hmm. Change your partner. (laughs) I'm not saying that's morally correct or morally wrong, but it was a change that I did see happen. Women having children outside of wedlock, well, that was taboo. Then it went from that to, well, what do we do? We don't want to have women aborting their children either. So there was a lot of things happening during my time, I think. Oh, the whole abortion issue. I mean, that is a hive, a wasp's nest of morals. Yeah? Mm Mm-hmm. Yes. In Chapter 9, as you're reflecting on what you're reading, what do you think I'm trying to tease out in this process? Perhaps how our internal morals affect our ethical behavior. Bingo. 
What else? From a stress factor, which is less stressful, ethics or morals? When I tell you that ethics are as complicated as whether or not your word equals your deed, when you read that, go back to that moment when you read that. Ethics are nothing more than words equal deeds. What did your ego, what did your controller, what did your critic, your judge, your perfectionist say to that statement? I have to say that it was your words equaling your deed, but then I started thinking about, like in this chapter where it's talking about over a proven course of time, and then I was like, ah, oh, hell, this is too much. <laughs> I'm never going to be ethical. <laughs> well, you may never be moral, Christina, but you can be ethical in this instance. When your critic, your judge, your perfectionist, your controller – your competitor read the statement that ethics are simply a matter of whether or not your word is your deed. That's it, period. No complexity. Word equal sign deed equal sign ethics. What happened? I start thinking about the times that that did or didn't happen. So the analyzer takes in. Yeah, yes, yeah, yes. Yeah. And your critic comes out. By living an ethical life, do you understand how I'm setting you up to live in the moment? I can tell you at 9 o'clock that I'm going to come to your door, and I'm going to ring your doorbell, and I'm going to spray paint howdy on your door and walk away. (laughs) And at 9 o'clock, I come to your door, and I ring your doorbell, and I spray paint howdy on your door, and I walk away. And then I can tell you that at 10 o'clock, I'm going to show up with a bucket of soap and clean your door. And at 10 o'clock, I show up and I clean your door. And then I tell you at 11.30, I'm going to come up and burn your house down. And at 11.30, I come up and I burn your house down. Every one of those times, I have been an ethical person. I actually think ethics is easier for me than morals. Bingo. Because as I gain more confidence to say no, or as I gain more confidence to just make my word be my deed, it's just easier for me than to have to look at my past and go, ooh, look at that. That was a moral dilemma that I was in. I think that's a good point, Marcia. I really do, in so many ways. For example... I was raised to believe because of what I was taught in church as I was coming up as a kid. Clearly, I, I, I don't have the same feeling. I don't have the same thought about it. But, but then that, that does cause an inner kind of discourse. I think for me, though, there's an uncomfortable rub ethically and morally. But I think the ethical discomfort can be minimized with a change in behavior. Because, again, it's all about my behavior of, of just really literally just communicating. Mm-hmm. That's good point, yeah. Mm-hmm. So that brings up a red flag of something that I need to do more exploration on. What is it that causes frustration for me to feel like communicating? There's a level where there's I'm over-communicating, where I shouldn't have to. Like, it's my business, or there's probably a feeling of being controlled in that. And so I probably should explore that more. So if we marry Chapter 8 with Chapter 9, what have I set you up to do? Speaking of the communications issue, think about what Chapter 8 is all about. Performance-based contracts. Performance-based contracts are all about communicating, right? If I'm clearly communicating to you 
what the task is, how I'm going to perform the task, what I expect to be rewarded, and what I expect to experience as a penalty if I don't do it, and then I fulfill that contract, I'm being an ethical person. Right? Right. Mm-hmm. If that contract has to change, maybe I agreed to do something that I didn't realize in the moment of agreeing to whatever it is that I was agreeing to do, I thought I had the skills to do it. And then when I got in it, I went, oh, crap. Uh, oops, no, I, I don't have the skills. Now I've got to go back to the person I wrote the contract with and say, look, I need to make an amendment here. In order for my word to equal my deed, we're going to have to change my words because I've noticed I'm lacking a skill that I need, that I thought I had. My apologies. Now I'm still in alignment. I'm still being ethical, and my integrity is intact. However, flip of that, if I make an agreement with you and I tell you that I'm going to do something and then in the middle of it I realize I don't have the skills and I don't tell you, I'm freaked out like, oh, shit, damn it, I, oh, what am I going to do? Stress, stress, stress. Now I'm feeling bad because from a moral standpoint, blah, 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 and the analyzer and the perfectionist, rah, here goes World War Ten. Well, that accomplishes nothing other than shutting down my ability to communicate with you, right? Right. Yeah, I remember a lot. That's good stuff. Mm-hmm. Now, while you may not be pleased with me when I call you up or write you or meet with you and say, look, I know I agreed on X, Y, and Z, and I really thought I had the skills to do it. Now that I'm in it, I'm completely unaware of the fact that I needed A, B, and C. We're going to have to amend our contract. And if you're not real pleased with that... That's not my fault. That's your problem. And if you try to make it my problem, I'm going to say, well, then the contract's null and void. Have a nice day. Do you see where I can draw strength here from this? Do you see where I can go into a more simple mode of communication and draw strength from it? (laughs) I've done that with creditors. There you go. Either you help me out or... (laughs) As you think about your word equaling your deed, and as you think about how morals play no part in a contract, because could you imagine the size of a contract? How many tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of pages a contract would be to do something of the most simplest nature if you're going to encase all of the morals related to the society that you're living in in that moment. I was taught in school, you will learn what populations you can or cannot work with. When I heard that, I thought, if I'm going to be an effective social worker, I need to learn to work with all populations. Now, that's a big statement. But one thing that I have strived for is As the social worker for a patient, no matter what they've done, I've worked with child molesters, murderers, and I've worked as hard for them as I have for anyone else. So morally, being an abused child, working with a child molester, it could have actually gone the other way, and I could have said, oh, I'm not working with you. But it has been important for me to be able to work with everyone. And so far in my career... I have been able to do that regardless of my past experiences or pain or trauma 
I have worked with many different people who morally repulsed me, but ethically, I was there to help that person regardless of what they'd done. And that's been huge for me. And that's something I would want to leave as a legacy that Chelsea Wells, the social worker, can work with and help anyone. That's huge, Chelsea. It's been very huge. And I've taken a lot of flack from other social workers over the years, like how can you work this hard to try to help this person after what they did? And my answer is, for me, as an ethical social worker, regardless of what my personal morals are or feelings, this is my patient, my person right now to help. Excellent example of how ethics keep us real. Absolutely. I'm thinking about the beginning of this whole journey of not living, acting, responding based on doubt, guilt, shame, or worry. And being ethical enables us to literally not be in that place where doubt, guilt, shame, or worry controls what we think, what we say, what we do, how we feel. Ding, 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 ding. We have a bingo winner here, ladies and gentlemen. That is so true, Christina. I just had this aha moment of like, well, you know what? If we're ethical, we don't have to worry about all that. So for me, no matter what other people would have thought, and I knew what others would say and think of me for working with people that are less desirable in their eyes, it didn't matter to me what they thought because I knew it was the right thing for me to do. I'm assuming, Chelsea, that's a seed that grows into a sense of a conviction, a power, a direction, a clarity that keeps you grounded when all hell is breaking loose. Very true. Very true. Many of the social workers I work with have said, if I'm ever in trouble or need an advocate, we would want you to do it, to be the one to take it up. It's important to me that I'm an advocate for people that other people won't advocate for. So what do you think I'm trying to accomplish? Chapter 9. Remember how I think I made this statement. Let me just clarify. Chapters 9 and 10 are icing on our cake. We have done a tremendous amount of work on our journey as we approach our journey in month 10 of our 12-month journey. The first four months of our journey was excavation, demolition, a lot of painful work that at times you thought, what the hell did I get myself into, true or false? True. 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 I got three trues. <laughs> we created the reality that we needed to clean our kitchen before we can even bake our cake, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Now we've baked our cake and we're putting the icing, level one icing, is that icing we put over the entire cake. Level two icing are all the decorations and the fun stuff that we place on top of the first layer of icing. Chapter nine is our first layer of icing on our cake. When my word equals my deed, whether or not you agree with my word or my deed is not my problem. When I tell you what I'm going to do and I do it, if you like it or don't like it, is out of my control. 
True. True. Mm-hmm. Why do I say that? Because you've been consistent with your word, and if you needed to amend it, you've communicated that, and everybody has the freedom to choose, and you have given the most honor by extending that freedom to the other person to choose how they're going to deal with what you've said. Christina, you lightly touched on the, what I'm trying to get across. I have no desire to control and manipulate you. I have no desire to have an influence such that my influence over you is going to control and manipulate you into an outcome that I prefer. That's yucky. If you feel happy, if you feel sad, if you feel good, if you feel bad, whatever inspired that feeling is well beyond my control to comprehend, nor control, nor would I want to. Follow? Yeah, Mm -hmm. I do. What am I setting us all up for? What am I setting the stage here for? True or false, I am 1,000% responsible for me and me only. True. 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 I think you're setting us up to own what we say and do. Bingo. It's not about you. It's about what I say and do, what I say I am going to do and what I do and the actions I take towards it. Bingo. We've talked about this in the past, remember? Yes. Mm-hmm. What do you think about that stage setting? Is that something you're comfortable with? I'm going to say that I am getting comfortable with it. <laughs> That's where I'm at. I'm, I am getting comfortable with it because I know that there's a lot more that I have to learn. And especially I need to learn some more skills, but I'm getting more comfortable with stepping into that role, definitely. Yeah, I I'd agree with that, Marcia. Yeah, there's a lot more to learn. I can't even say that I don't have a lot more to learn. But cementing the new rewiring such that when I'm doing something, there isn't that discomfort with it. Even though I know that it's more healthy for me and I know that it's the best way to do it, it's still there are still things that are uncomfortable for me. So what I'm hearing Christina and Chelsea say is that you do not want to be responsible for your own words and deeds. That some magical date at some magical time, some magical combination, some magical key pin code is going to happen and you go, ding! The new wiring is installed. The upgrade has happened. Now I can be responsible for my words and my deeds. But up until that moment in time in my life, sorry, you know, I'll do my best, but that's just the way it is. That's not at all what I said. What I said was (laughs) that it's not always comfortable. Okay. I'm clarifying because, ladies and gentlemen, how I teach Pay Me What I'm Worth, how you teach Pay Me What I'm Worth if you choose to teach it, are two different things. And if all of a sudden something happens where Marsha gains a whole bunch of attention about how she's teaching me what I'm worth and it's causing a lot of controversy, and then there's controversy even from the source, the author gets a lot of controversy around how they teach me what I'm worth. It shouldn't matter. Everybody's going to teach it the way they're going to teach it. You're going to do what you're going to do. I have no control over that. I, I desire no control over that. I never want control over that because the moment I try to take control over that, 
That means I'm going to try and have to take control over literally every aspect of your life. You will do and say what I do when I tell you to do it and how I tell you to do it, whether you like it or not. But that's the premise of many religions. True or false? True. True. Very true. So what I'm trying to get across here with ethics and integrity and what I'm trying to get across in this chapter is if you say it, you better be doing it. If you can't do what you say, alter it. Go back to chapter 8. Change your contract. By changing your contract, you're still being ethical, and your integrity will continue to grow, right? Right. That's as sophisticated as this gets. Whether your new wiring is in place, whether the optimal conditions are there, whether the planets have aligned, whether we're in retrograde or not, or whatever excuse you want to throw in the bag is irrelevant. So going forward, as you do Chapter 9, I beg you to remember, your explorer will probably get beaten up by your analyzer. (laughs) (laughs) Let's check in on that. How's our explorers doing these days? Belunking into the dark corners. Mm. Mm Mm-hmm. And when you're spelunking, Chelsea, what's that explore inviting the analyzer to do? Well, if I'm not careful, it invites my analyzer to analyze, why in the hell are you looking there? (laughs) (laughs) Funny you should say that because I was just thinking that my explorer feels like the best private eye on the earth. Good. And my analyzer is like, <laughs> girl, if you don't stop, <laughs> I'm telling you, you ain't ready for this. You better sit down somewhere. <laughs> There's going to be an ass whipping if you keep this up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it, for me, it's funny because I know when my analyzer starts kicking in, when my explorer is out busy. And when my analyzer starts starts kicking in, I know uh, all of a sudden I'm starting to think, how am I going to do this? So what I have to do is I have to say, okay, go sit in the corner because I've got to do something right now, and I have to have my floor here to help me. <laughs> I tell my analyzer that. And the best thing to do is just stop thinking and just do what, what it is you, you wanted to do and just do it, and then go for it. Just do it. Whether it's Exactly. And make a phone call or send a chat to somebody, just do it and see what happens. And that's the best way for me to deal with my analyzer. Tell him, just go sit in the corner for a bit. I got to do this. (laughs) Virtual fist bump to you, Marsha. Yeah, totally. Like, yeah, I can relate to the feeling of having more emboldened courage at some odd moments. I'm sure we all could say that. I like the visual. <laughs> I like the visual of sending the analyzer to the corner. <laughs> yeah, I like that. That's a virtual fist bump. <laughs> With a tall dunce cap on its head, yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and a stool. <laughs> the other day I was at work. It was just me and another girl at work in the office, and we were talking about BS crap that we work in these days and how it sucks and blah, blah. While she was talking, I guess I can't explain it other than to say that I'm different, and really what she was saying, it was literally like she was 
I, her mouth was moving, but I wasn't hearing what she was saying. So I decided that we were going to explore <laughs> where she was thinking and feeling. And I literally did something that I normally wouldn't have done. And I asked her, I was, what would you love to do? What would put a smile on your face? If you didn't have to come to work, like what could you do on your time that would put a smile on your face? She started telling me about this little hole-in-the-wall building that used to be this bumping little restaurant back in the day and how it's closed and the owner hasn't done anything with it or whatever, but how she literally would love to have her own restaurant. And she wouldn't care if she had to work 20 hours a day. It wasn't about that. She just wanted to serve other people good food in her restaurant. And then she turned around and she was like, well, oh, well, I I wouldn't be able to afford that, blah, blah, blah. And she just kind of turned around like that was the end of the discussion. Normally, I'd have been like, love her little heart. She doesn't mind having her dreams squashed and just not even exploring her or whatever, whatever. But in that moment, I was like, no, like literally, no. So I kind of went there with her, and I was like, so, well, why, why, let's not just give up on it. What do you mean? Like, how can we make this happen for you? Like, how can you make this happen? And I said, I'll tell you what. How about you just don't close off the dream? You just try to explore ways that you can make it happen. Perhaps maybe let me ask you how big is your house, how big is your kitchen? Maybe you could operate it out of your house because you have a huge kitchen. You could just get the commercial grade kind of stuff, get the certifications or, or the license, whatever you need. You could operate it out of your house until you make the money to buy you a little place. Maybe there's food trucks. Maybe there's options that you can literally make it happen. Other than that, she was like, you know, I never thought about that. And literally the next day, we were, it was just her and I again, and she was like, you know, I think I'm going to look into that food truck thing. That's a really good idea. Where do you think I would start, you know, looking for this, da 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 And I didn't want to go into that whole advisory role, but I'm just saying this to sharing this because I never would have done that in the past. I never would have felt confident or I would have felt like it's not my business, oh, well, kind of thing. Bravo. Watered seeds of potential. Dear ladies, that is my purpose in life. Water seeds of potential. And know when to stop watering so I don't drown it. (laughs) (laughs) Is that a tendency, soul? I'm a nurturer. But with my relationship with plants or any experience, I'm... More often than not, kill them because I drown them. But anyway. (laughs) (laughs) You all have been through 10 months of pay me what I'm worth. If I were to tell you on the first week what you would be going through, documenting step by step what you would be going through and what you would be experiencing it, would you have even ventured into week two? Uh, there were some weeks that I I just said, no, nah, dog, I'm done with this. <laughs> I'm very delighted that your word has been your deed with pay me what I'm worth. Other than one week where you all mutually agreed that you're taking a week off because you had a conference to go to, and that's certainly understandable, you've shown up. I mean, yes, there have been a couple of times where illnesses or other events have happened, but it's not like you purposefully blew off your class. 
That's where ethics come to play. To me, there's just, I, I dare say this, I'm afraid to say this, but I will say that I'll give you plus or minus 10 points on a little wiggle room with ethics, that when I see someone who has the best intention, and they've lived up to that best intention 99% of the time, and then they have one or two little bumps, I'm not going to come down on them. But if I started seeing it become a pattern, once or twice turns into four or five, turns into nine and ten. As a teacher, if I miss the opportunity to say, hey, here's a pattern that I'm noticing. Are you noticing this pattern too? If I'm unwilling to do that because I'm too uncomfortable, because I need to be needed or whatever, I mean, whatever playing out, I fail you as a teacher at that point. True or false? True. 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 And then when I start failing you as a teacher, what's my point? Now, there are some Buddhist teachers that I've studied with that they will say, well, soul, it is not your role to point those things out. It is your role to help them become more aware so that they can see that they have those cycles. Create the space for them to be able to see those cycles. What you're doing is preempting the timeline by pointing it out. What you're doing is instead of maybe that lesson would have taken them one or two months or a year or possibly their lifetime to figure out, you're shortening it to a week or a day by pointing it out. It's fine balance as teachers when we should say something and when we keep our mouths shut. Same thing with parenting. True? True. That's so true. Very true. So as we wrap up, one of the things that you're going to discover that I'm looking for in Chapter 9 is for you to begin to polish your skills with your inner voice. What are you telling yourself you are going to do? Are you doing it? Starts there, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Another light and fluffy conversation. At the top of our call, I talked about the fact that this could feel very oppressive. It could be very daunting as we allow our minds to wander into those times where our word has not been our deed. It could become very depressing. The flip side of that is we, I, you, everyone listening, we hold the pen to the script that we're writing. Yeah? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. Now, what are you going to write? Any ahas on our adventure today? Discussed so much that I feel rejuvenated. <laughs> that is my aha, because I know how much work this class really is, and I really feel rejuvenated, almost like I am ready for 2016. <laughs> Ooh. Bring it on, baby. Yeah. <laughs> Sweet. Marsha, you're just on it today. Like, you're just summing it up just perfectly. <laughs> Definitely. It's just bring it on. It's just even so much as conversations that, for whatever reason, I haven't had, and they're just choking the crap out of me right now to have before 2016. But I think that that's a, a matter of just 
bring it on because I got another level to go to here, and I can't get to this other level without clearing up this crap because there's one thing that this course has taught. It's all that crap that you keep pushing down. It does keep slapping you in the face eventually. <laughs> it sure does. sure does. Toilet backs up, huh? <laughs> yeah, that toilet just. <laughs> Are you beginning to see now, Christina, that you have – not only the power, but the permission to change whatever you want to change, however you want to change it, whenever you want to change it? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a big bunch of crap. I know it's tough for us to end the call, but I do think it's a big bunch of crap that we sell ourselves all the time. I know that I have spent a lifetime selling myself, and that's that notion of what's comfortable and what isn't comfortable. You're stepping into your authenticity, and that's powerful. A byproduct is you will be an ethical person known of integrity. Woohoo! <laughs> so with all thoughts in mind, thank you again. And as we dive into this again, just I'll gently nudge you to remember, explore, explore. The analyzer is going to get really pissed off at some point in this chapter because the analyzer will want a reckoning. The analyzer will want a judgment day, a verdict in this chapter. A verdict is unnecessary. Thank you for listening. Any personal ahas of your own? As one of many pay me what I'm worth team captains, it's my role to help you get serious about removing blocks to your success as well as live a more stress-free, confident life. Wonder if this course is for you? If you are a serious action taker committed to playing big in life and being your best you, I look forward to seeing you in my next class. Call me at area code 423-737-5809. Again, that's 423-737-5809 to talk about your next steps. Before you go, let's continue this discussion in the comment box below. You can always help other people have breakthrough moments when you share this show across your social media. I look forward to speaking with you. You're listening to Christina Irvin, one of the many team captains for Pay Radio. Definitely radio worth listening to. Have a great day. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.